Hello, church. God bless you, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. So tonight we're going to be covering 1 Timothy chapter 2. This is a great passage, and it's also very controversial, as we're going to see in a second. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and let's dive into God's Word. Uh, But first, let's say a quick prayer and ask God to... to, uh, to lead us through this. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, Lord. That's new every morning, Lord, every month, every year, every minute, every hour, every second, Lord. You are so, so good, Lord. And tonight I ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us discernment, to open our spiritual eyes, to be able to read your word, Lord, and gather everything from it that we can, Father. Use me, Lord, your servant, to bring forth your uh, your word with clarity. And we give you praise and honor, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, welcome once again. Tonight, we're, we're diving into 1 uh, Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to be reading the, the whole chapter right now. And then we'll go back to the top and take it verse by verse. And so... Uh, I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version, ESV, and it says like this. First of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And that is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that the women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is good for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise the authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. So that last part, right, is uh, is a little controversial. And at first glance, Paul seems a a little bit harsh to you ladies, but um, we'll see that it's not all what it seems. Um, but let's start from the top, yeah, from verse 1. Uh, <clears throat> and so verse 1, first of all then, I urge supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So these terms describe a wide category of our communication with God, Right. These are the kinds of prayers that should be offered when, uh, both when we come together 
as a church setting, because this is a church setting, right? Paul is writing to, uh, to Timothy and uh, to the Ephesian church here. Uh, but it uh, should also be offered up in our own individual prayers, right? Uh, the first of these that Paul mentions is supplication. And supplication is simply asking God for something. And prayer should never be all about asking. But when we do ask, it should be in bold confidence. <clears throat> confidence of God's word. The second adjective God um, that Paul uses here is prayers. And prayers is uh, it's just a broad word referring to all communication with the Lord. Uh, Paul is taking us uh, to uh, basics here to Christian 101, right? Prayer, prayer, prayer. Um, simply communicating with God. Uh, and the other form of prayer that Paul uh, uses here is intercession. And so intercession refers to the requests that uh, that we make on behalf of others. And so as we pray, uh, there should be a time when the needs of others find a place in our prayers before God's throne. And, uh, and finally, the last prayer that Paul refers to here in this first verse is uh, the giving of thanks. Giving God thanks um, for all that he has done for us. And giving thanks is such an essential part of our walk with God because giving thanks shows a sign of maturity in our Christian faith. Um, giving thanks is, is, uh, is, I would maybe dare say, a fruit of the Spirit. Um, those uh, um, who give thanks, uh, it's, a, it's a sign, it's, it's a symbol that, you know, that our pride is not that great, um, that, you know, it diminishes our arrogance, our self, uh, arrogant, you know, arrogance. Uh, giving thanks is a very, very important part of our walk with God. And I encourage all of you, uh, church, if, uh, you know, after tonight's message, if um, thank God for his goodness and his faithfulness in your life and not just God. Um, I think it's also really important that we show our gratefulness towards other people. Um, people are a blessing, you know, and uh, we really, really need to reflect that more, I think, uh, in our time today. Um, I read a quote by uh, Anne Frank, uh, who she said, uh, she said, dead people receive more flowers than living people because regret is stronger than gratitude. And that hit me. I was like, this, this is so true. This is very powerful. And so church, I encourage you, you know, if, if, um, you know, you're grateful for someone, someone has blessed you, you know, in a, in a time of need or just when, you know, in the time when you needed it, you know, uh, shoot them a text, shoot them a call, uh, give them thanks. Hey bro, thank you for, for that word of encouragement that day when I was down, I really needed it. Thank you, sister, for um, for that little love offering you gave me when I needed it. You know, um, let's show gratitude, church, to to God and to other people. Um, now let's go down to verse two. Um, praying for uh, uh, those in authority, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And so, you know, early Christians, those in Paul's time, were often accused of undermining the state because 
they claimed a higher Lord uh, than Caesar, which is, of course, our Lord Jesus, right? Uh, yet they would uh, point out that they supported the state by being good citizens and praying uh, for Caesar, for the emperor, not to him. And so in the previous verse, Paul said we should give thanks for all men. And Paul here connects the dots. Um, he connects the dots with those who are in authority over us. We should give thanks for those who are in authority because God has ordained them in society to keep order. And I really like this quote by early uh, one of the early church leaders. His name was Tertullian. He said, we pray for all emperors that God may grant them long life, a secure government, a prop prosperous family, vigorous troops, a faithful senate, an obedient people, that the world may be in peace, and that God may grant both to Caesar and to every man the accomplishment of their just desires. So uh, so it's important that we pray for, for our government, uh, not just because uh, it's a command from the Lord, uh, but because, you know, um, we want to work... Um, free of government, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, free of government intervention. And so our goal as believers is to is to seek a level playing field uh, unrestricted by state intervention where this gospel can be preached to all without any hindrance because the gospel is the good news, amen? And the gospel needs to be heard by everyone. And so it's important to pray for the peace. It's important to pray um for our government um because god desires you know as he as we see in this verse god desires for all men to be saved right uh verse three this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of god our savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth and here in verse five paul shows us how all men must be saved for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. So when Paul says one God and one mediator, this echoes the words of Jesus in John 14 when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is so important, church, because in the modern world, a lot of people think that any road leads to God if followed sincerely or with a good heart. You know, but we see that this isn't the case. Scripture is very against this idea. The Pharisee and the tax collector, for example, each came to God sincerely, but one was accepted and one wasn't. The rich young ruler came to Jesus sincerely, but was rejected because he didn't give everything and follow Jesus. And so church, uh, you know, it's important that, you know, we recognize that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the only truth. He's the only one that can grant us eternal life and preach that word because <clears throat> we live in a, in a postmodern world. Postmodern means uh, a world where truth is subjective and not objective where we make up our own truth. If we decide that it's our truth and we think that's okay, then that then we follow it. Um, what our, we follow whatever our heart's desires are, but scripture says that the heart is deceitful above all things. And so 
it's important that we always align our values with biblical values. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only truth. And only Jesus can grant eternal life. He gave himself as a ransom for many. So Jesus gave himself, of course, as payment for our sins. Um, he put himself in the, the uh, in our place and received the punishment and wrath from God that we deserved. And this is the base, basic message of the gospel. That's why, once again, it's so important that we pray for those in government so that, you know, um, they might not, they might be saved and that there is no government intervention so that we, you know, might have the freedom of speech and the freedom to preach the gospel. Um, and so that all might hear it and that all might hear the good news of Jesus. Because how many of you guys know, if you remember from our uh, Bible study in First and Second Thessalonians that the Lord said uh, he's not going to come back until the whole world hears the gospel. And so, you know, every nation, every tongue uh, has to uh, hear the gospel. It's, it's one of the things that the Lord um, is waiting for, for him to come back for his people. And so, uh, and so that's why it's so important, church, that we do this. Um, on to verse 7. So here Paul says, For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not uh, lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So it's quite interesting here that Paul writes, uh, I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. Uh, and if you notice, I don't know what version you may have, but most of the, I think all the versions have um, this in quotation marks. But Paul Paul's kind of defending himself here. He's saying, I'm not lying. He, he, he was probably being accused of being a false teacher um, or a false apostle. Um, when... Uh, when the Lord uh, resurrected and ascended to heaven, um, Judas, of course, one of the 12 disciples, he hung himself. And so 11 disciples were left. And so in order to um, fill that void, the 11 remaining disciples decided to cast lots for to determine who the new apostle would be. And it was determined that that would be uh, Matthias. But many believe that the disciples acted... Um, not in accordance with the Holy Spirit, instead of relying on the Spirit, they relied on luck to determine who who would be the next apostle. And so many people think it should not have been Matthias, but it should have been Paul. And so I think, you know, Paul is getting some of that, uh, some of that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, people are trying to discredit him, but he's defending himself right here and um and i think this uh you know discreditation is mainly coming from the jews because he writes a teacher of the gentiles and faith and in truth so um paul was continuously getting rejected by the jews and so he emphasizes his ministry to the gentiles rather than to the jews and so let's move on to verse 8 and uh, this is where things start getting quite controversial. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger 
without wrath, without doubting. So, um, so with holy hands, right? Uh, remember, Scripture tells us that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So it's important, church, that we come to the Lord with with reverence, with holiness. Um, you know, of course, we all stumble and we all fall occasionally, but we got to pick ourselves up, knowing that the Lord is there with us, showing us grace anytime we fall. Now, that's not an excuse and say that, you know, we can abuse of the Lord's grace. No, because um, in Hebrews, the Lord says, uh, if you sin willingly after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for sins, but an horrendous expectation of fire and judgment. So it, it's not a excuse, right, to, um, to just abuse of the Lord's grace, but we have to try our best um, to be holy and present ourselves holy before God with holy hands, without anger or without quarreling. And verse 9, this is where... Uh, this is where a lot of controversy begins to happen in the church. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. And so, you know, here Paul is emphasizing spiritual preparation and spiritual beauty more than physical beauty and so uh he, he's setting a guideline here of how women are to dress uh somewhat um let me elaborate on this um <clears throat> it says with propriety right and with moderation so propriety asks us uh what is appropriate for the occasion is it overdressed? Is it underdressed? Is it going to call inappropriate attention to myself? And moderation asks, is it moderate or is it just too, you know, is it too much or far too little? So moderation asks, looks for a middle ground. And so when Paul is mentioning, you know, the braided hair or the gold or the pearls or the costly clothing, um, He's mentioning adornments that were against the the principles of propriety and moderation in his culture, and so this is this is something um, more of a guideline and not something that is set in stone because this is more of a cultural issue. Church, um, if you recall, uh, in previous Bible studies, we have talked about um, how. In Greco-Roman times, there was a, a lot of patriarchy. Uh, so this is when the male, the, the head male of the household, uh, usually the father or the oldest uh, in uh, male in the household, he had total control over the family, over the woman, over the children uh, in that society. And so if he didn't want them to dress a certain manner, he had all authority to tell them not to dress in that manner. Um, he even had so much power that, he, you know, under Roman law, um, and I think in Greek law as well, um, he had he had a power to kill his wife or his daughters if they were disrespectful or disobedient. And so um, it, it sounds harsh, right? But um, this is, uh, you know, this is why Paul is being cautious here. And I think that's why he's warning 
um, people to focus more on good works, right? On professing godliness, uh, particularly the woman. And we'll see why he's addressing woman in a second, um, specifically. So, uh, so he's emphasizing spiritual beauty more than uh, material or uh, physical beauty because uh, let me also add this that the way we dress really reflects our hearts and so if you know someone's coming dressed you know very you know very 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 casual to church you know um, more often than not it, it will you know reflect um, that this person probably does not show reverence or you know uh, show, you know, it really reflects the attitude of your heart. You're not going to show up to a business meeting, right? With, um, with, uh, with a t-shirt, you're going to show up to be a business meeting, a formal business meeting with, um, with a suit and a tie, right? Or with, uh, or girls, you know, in the proper manner. So, um, it's important, you know, to, to dress appropriately. It really reflects, uh, our hearts in, uh, in most of the times for most people. And so verses 11 and 12, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Here is, here is what's, um, here it's, gets really, really tricky because at first glance, it seems to be quite explicit, right? Woman cannot preach. Woman cannot teach. Um, and so, uh, let, let's break it down and let's look at the grammar. Let's look at the Greek and see what Paul really meant here. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. And so, Quietly in this text, um, the Greek word that is used here is hesikia, which does not mean quiet as in as in silent, but rather it just means quiet in a manner that is not disruptive. And so um, in the following verse, when Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, Rather, she is to remain quiet. The word here for exercise, um, authority, uh, in the Greek is authentine, which doesn't mean to uh, exercise. It means to usurp. Um, and so, you know, using these two, uh, these two words right here, um, Paul is really saying that uh, there's this. It's implicit that there's a specific woman within the Ephesian church that was causing disruption. And it was probably um, uh, with her apparel because of what we, of the couple of verses that we just read. Uh, she was probably dressing very immodestly and causing a lot of temptation or, um, or some other, um, some other thing. Uh, and she was probably being very disruptive during the worship time and during the meetings by by talking or by um, interjecting or some other manner and so why this is uh, why Paul says 
with all submissiveness, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority. So he's referring to, you know, uh, a specific woman uh, in the church or or specific ladies. But this is, uh, again, this is also cultural because women were not permitted to speak back then. And so, uh, you know, at first glance, it seems, like I said, it seems rough, but Paul does... Um, is not saying that all women for all time cannot preach. All right, ladies, I'm sure y'all are happy to hear that. We have awesome, awesome women of God uh, in all of history and in our church. Um, you know, our first lady, Bumi Canales, we have Pastor Nana, we have Pastor Bev, we have all these amazing ladies in, in our church. And, you know, and in scripture, uh, ladies come up a lot. Um, it wouldn't be consistent with, you know, it wouldn't be consistent with scripture. Um, this wouldn't, this specific, uh, couple of verses wouldn't be consistent with the rest of scripture. It's, uh, uh, we see, of course, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, we have, uh, Deborah was one of the judges, you know, we have, uh, in, in the book of Acts, we have Phoebe, who was a deaconess, Priscilla, also, and, you know, they were fiery preachers, and, um, and we have, of course, Mary Magdalene, and, uh, and Martha, right, um, the Bible mentions women a lot, and, you know what, women, uh, you ladies were also made in the image of God, you were also made in the Imago Dei, amen, you are also image bearers of, of God's image, and you know what? You also receive the Holy Spirit during Pentecost, right? Um, and so, uh, and so, I think that's that merits um, woman a place uh, to be a place of leadership. And now, of course, you know you have you have um, a couple of. Of other Christian traditions who will, uh, who will disagree with, um, but I, for us, Pentecostals, uh, Assemblies of God, we firmly believe that, that women are more than capable um, of being in leadership, and I'm sure all y'all ladies are, are super happy to hear that. Um, you know, thank God for women. You know, I don't, I don't think uh, just logically thinking right that God would silence half of the earth's population right um let's go in a little deeper verse 13 and 14 for Adam was formed first and Eve and Adam was not deceived but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith love and holiness with self-control so right here Paul once again is alluding to um uh, is saying that woman cannot, um, and he's further arguing this by saying that Adam was formed first, but using that logic, um, <clears throat> you know, if we look at the story of creation, all of creation, including animals, were formed before man was, and so using that logic, uh, and I th really think that you know, this isn't too strong of an argument on the part of Paul. Um, 
because then you know that would mean the animals are superior to us but we know that's not the case we know that we have full dominion um over animals and so um so of course this this um argument of who came first uh just because man came first and woman came second does not mean that uh that man is superior as a matter of fact you know god uh made a woman out of a man's rib and so um it's not so that you know so that man will be above her um and woman below but no but i think it's symbolic that you know women and men need to be walking side by side in the ways of the lord and um and in marriage and in all things so um <clears throat> so that's that and then the final verse verse 15 yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith love and holiness with self-control so uh once again it's, it's a little confusing um the verbiage can be a little confusing here um she will be saved through childbearing so um, many of our Bibles omit an important article uh, uh, here. Um, it should say, um, according to the original Greek, yes, she will be saved through the childbearing. So not through childbearing, because if a woman was saved to childbearing, what about those who are infertile who can't have children? That wouldn't make any sense, right? Because salvation is for all. And so by um you know by omitting that article the that, that really causes confusion it's by the childbearing and which childbearing are we talking about of course it's uh it's uh our lord jesus christ amen um through his childbearing and through his sacrifice and resurrection that we all have salvation now and so praise the lord praise the lord um but then, of course, we have that last conditional clause right there. If they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And that applies to all, not just the ladies. That applies to us men out there. Um, have to be holy before the Lord. And so, I'm sure y'all ladies are, are happy to... Um, I hope it brought some clarity uh, to this tonight. Um, I try to make it as simple as I as I could. I, it's a it's a difficult passage really to digest, um, but uh, I hope it brought some clarity to you all tonight. And that's it for our Bible study. So, church, God bless you all. Um, hope to see you this Sunday. It's exciting. We're we're going we're finally back in the worship center, and uh, God bless you all. Let's uh, let's all pray to dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you that we are all made equal in your image, Lord. The, the ground at the foot of the cross is all level, Lord. Is all level, Lord, for all of us to praise and worship you side by side, alongside, together, Lord. I pray, Lord, over our church, Lord, over every single family, Father, over all the events that are going on, Lord. May you bless, may you keep, may you guide, may you protect, Lord, everyone. And Lord, may this Sunday be a blessing, Lord. May your spirit fill the sanctuary. 
May your spirit move, Lord. May it fill people. May it restore, Lord, those who are brokenhearted. May it bring joy. May it bring peace to those who might be feeling anxious, Lord. And we pray all of this, Lord, knowing that you hear us every time we call on you, Father. We love you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, church. Hope to see you Sunday. Uh, English service starts at 9 a.m., same service times. Uh, Spanish is at 11 a.m. So God bless you all, and we'll see you around.